Hi, this is Jennifer Nanez from Albuquerque, and you are listening to the Pro Hockey News Podcast. Enjoy! Hello, hockey fans from around the world. I am Richard Cote, the producer of the Pro Hockey News Podcast. It is the second line edition of the podcast, and you know what that means. It means we have some playoff hockey. Not because we're on the second line, but we just got playoff hockey everywhere, pretty much. Um, I am joined by the publisher of ProHockeyNews.com, Lou Lafredo, out in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Lou, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Pushing 90 degrees here today. Sun, no wind. It's just perfect. <laughs> and you know, I, I can tell he is out in Albuquerque because he is wearing an Albuquerque Isotopes baseball cap. I miss the Dukes, but... That will do for now. Yeah. We are also joined by our favorite snarky little Canadian up in Edmonton, Jacob Doherty. Jacob, how are you doing? Good, thank you. I am not little, though. <laughs> I'm a big boy. And I'm a grown man who is in a lot of pain for a lot of different reasons. And most likely because we are recording this on Thursday, May 27th. Probably another reason's going to happen tonight. Ah, <laughs> uh, yep. Ah, uh, okay. Um, I, you know, I didn't mean you, you were, I, I don't, it was an endearing term. But I know, I, I, I know, I know. <laughs> we'll get past that. Listeners, this episode of the Pro Hockey News Podcast is brought to you by the Chicago Wolves Merchandise Store. Head over to chicagowolvesstore.com, enter in code PHN15 to get 15% off your purchase of some of the best swag you can get for a minor league hockey team. Thank you to the Chicago Wolves for being a sponsor of the Pro Hockey News Podcast. Fellas, as I had mentioned, actually, I, I got to get into my rant real quick. Uh, I got two ways I can go. I'm going to save one for the parting thought, so a little tease to that at the end of the episode. My, uh, my rant is going to be some exciting news that happened recently um, in the building which I work, uh, we have relaxed our mask mandate inside the building. So now pretty much we can get up and walk around the building without having to wear a mask, uh, given the uh, vaccination rate of the city. We're just kind of going with the city mandates. It's kind of nice, but that came down yesterday, and I still feel awkward walking around the building without a mask. Every time I get up to get up from my desk, I reach for my mask, and I'm like, I, I don't need that. I need to get used to this. So I'm, I'm struggling a little bit. I'm still wearing it when I feel uncomfortable, and I think that's absolutely the right thing for people to do right now. If you're feeling a little uncomfortable, go ahead and put it back on. It is kind of like a, a safety blanket to me. Uh, Lou, what's the situation in New Mexico? Have they relaxed any of that? And have you gone beyond your comfort zone with that, with any of these? Uh, so the first part of that is, yes, it has been relaxed. Uh, the state is reporting <clears throat> uh, probably a greater than 70% vaccination rate right now uh, for all eligible uh, residents of the state. So you can be outside, much like the CDC has recommended or uh, advised, and indoors, uh, there are opportunities to be without a mask. However, uh, I have not escaped that discomfort uh, zone, much like yourself. 
Uh, so I'm wearing a mask uh, indoors as well. Um, I, there's no point in going into the paranoia of why. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just I, I feel much better with the mask on. And it, it, consider this as the proxy. Um, the flu was non-existent in the flu season this year uh, because of so many of us wearing masks. And I'm going to continue at least until April of 22. That's that's pretty good. And I, yep. I totally understand the hesitancy to to jump up and be like, I'm not going to wear a mask because, you know, it does beyond uh, what we're seeing with the coronavirus. It does help with any other contagious uh, diseases. So that, that is a very good point, Lou. Yep. Jacob, what's the situation up in Edmonton? Have, have you had a chance to um, do any of that? Unfortunately, uh, our vaccination rates are significantly slower than the United States is just across the board. Um, however, it is slowly but surely getting better. Um, the mask mandates and all that stuff are still um, in effect. Um, but like restaurants and stuff will be starting to open up to some um, limited capacity again, in Edmonton at least, uh, in the near future. But overall, everyone's still just getting vaccinated and we're just trying to get more vaccinations, I think. And I hope hopefully with the U.S. having as high of a vaccination rate as they do, hopefully it makes our lives easier to get the actual vaccine. Yeah, I, I will second that. I really hope that's the situation we're we're lining up to. All right. Enough of the somewhat exciting, a little bit depressing news of COVID. Let's move on to some hockey news. Lou. It, 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 let's, let's dive into the minor leagues a little bit because it's not just the NHL, the AHL and the ECHL. We have some playoffs. Um, the ECHL is getting ready to start their playoffs on June 4th, I believe. And uh, just taking a look at the, uh, at the standings, the top four teams from each conference makes it into the playoffs. I think we only have three teams who have clinched a spot at this point. Um, and they're doing it by point percentage. So it's not total points. It's point percentage by right. the end of the season. Um, but looking at the number four, number five spots of each conference, Lou, do you think there's any chance that that there's going to be an outsider getting in in either conference? Or is this more of we're, we're playing out to see what seeding is going to be like? Are we pretty much set with one through four in each conference? You know, following what uh, John Hall and Don Money have been talking about, uh, they are our co-editors for the ECHL. Um, I, I really think it's set. Uh, you have to have some major collapses uh, and surges at the same time in order for those uh, fifth positions to move up. Um, I, I just don't see any of them making a dramatic pushes at the end here. It, it is just a couple of games. Uh, as you yeah. said, they start on the 4th, uh, so that is um, next Friday, so a week from tomorrow. Uh, there just aren't enough games, I think, in between. Yep. So let's take a quick pass through the standings of what we're seeing in the ECHL. In the Western Conference, we have the Wichita Thunder, who have clinched a playoff spot in the number one spot. The Fort Wayne Comets in the number two spot having played significantly less games than the rest of that conference. 
All right, let's take a look at the, uh, the Eastern Conference as well. We have the Florida Everblades, who have uh, clinched a playoff spot. Uh, we have the Greenville Swamp Rabbits, love that name, in the number two spot. The Indy Fuel in the number three spot. And the Orlando Solar Bears rounding out your top four. As we just mentioned, since uh, it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of games to make up any ground here, these seem to be the eight teams who are going to make it into the playoffs. It's just uh, going to depend who's going to be in what seating uh, come the end of the season. Now, let's go over to the AHL because they didn't, re- like, the league didn't have a playoff, but the Pacific Division definitely had a playoff. It was a little bit odd, and a little bit exciting. Um, but we are now in the Pacific Division final. Uh, we have the Henderson Silver Knights versus the Bakersfield Condors. Bakersfield took game one of a three game set. Lou, I'm going to ask you this. Is uh, Bakersfield going to close it out tonight as we're recording on Thursday, or is it going to go to a game three and, uh, you know, does Henderson have a shot at winning it all? Um, Bakersfield took out a really good uh, San Diego Gulls team. And they did it with overtime wins. Um, mm-hmm. They're known now as the cardiac, cardiac condors. Is that what it's? Um, <laughs> yeah, um, it's not cardiac kids. It's I think it's the cardiac condors. Um, so they've uh, and it was overtime again last night mm-hmm. um, to take game one. Listen, I think they're on a roll. I I don't see many ways of stopping them at this point. Uh, Henderson has had a good team. You know, look, it, it, within that Western division, Henderson played really well. Yeah. Um, but um, I think Bakersfield has got the the horses and they've got the momentum behind them. I, I, I think it's over in game two. It's over and done and move on to the offseason. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. It... it... I know they've been pushing a lot of overtime games and they've been playing really hard. They do have the momentum on their side. But I, I to me, I, I think Henderson's going to take game number two. Game number three, if it can end in regulation, it's going to Henderson and they're going to win, uh, win the championship, uh, the Pacific Division championship. They are the Pacific, the regular season Pacific Division champions but they are not the playoff champions yet. Um, I I think, yes, I think tonight Henderson's going to pull out a win against Bakersfield, and I think, yeah, uh, the deciding factor is going to be if Game 3 goes to overtime. Yeah, listen, it's been fun. Yeah. I know I sort of poo-pooed the idea, you know, the West going to this sort of format, but, you know, that that sort of play-in routine that they had, uh, before going to a best of three, um, I, I thought was it, it got some excitement going in a league that otherwise was just crowning a, a regular season champ and moving on. So uh, kudos yeah. to the AHL. Yeah, if you're going to shake things up, this is the year to do it. So, you know, just have some fun with it. That, that's yeah. all you got to do. Yeah. All right. So we also have another league who has uh, gone to the playoffs 
Um, at least they, they've been in the playoffs for like the last week or so. We're, we're wrapping up most of their series <laughs> in the first round. Um, if you haven't noticed, the NHL is also in the playoffs. Um, we'll get to that in just a second. Um, but first, I would like to talk um, about and something that I know is uh, impacts Jacob just a little bit closer than the rest of us here. Um, and it's not exactly a fun topic to talk about. Um, so fair warning on that. Um, but at least to me that this, um, I, I was a little bit happy, not a little bit. I was actually very happy to see the outpouring of support, um, after this, um, the, uh, the, the situation with, uh, the, uh, Edmonton Oilers defenseman, Ethan Bear, uh, he had reported that there were multiple racist comments sent to him over social media. I believe it was following the game four loss. Correct, Jacob? Yes. Okay. Um, so it came out that he had gotten all sorts of uh, racist comments sent his way. Um, and he came out with a statement uh, that the team officially put out a statement along with that um, pretty much denouncing uh, any of these, you know, comments that have come his way. Uh, there's been a big outpouring of support from his teammates, from the organization later on the league came out to, to denounce this um, Jacob. I'd, I'd like, if you're prepared to talk about this a little bit, I'd like for to get your take since you're a little bit closer to this than, than we are here in the States. So Ethan Bear is First Nations, um, and he is one of the very few uh, First Nations players to be um, in the NHL. Um, he's actually, sorry, he is Cree, um, to my note, according to, yes, he is of Cree descent. And there are very few Cree, Cree players in the NHL, and you know what? Good for him. Um, for whatever reason, everyone everyone likes Ethan Bear, like, Absolutely, there is no reason for anyone to have any racist um, or demeaning comments about his, um, this, I guess his um, nationality or is it nationality? But ancestry. Ancestry. There we go. I was drawing a blank on that. Mm-hmm. There's no reason to be racist. Racism is absolutely one of the dumbest things that humankind ever um, created, and until we hopefully end that idea that you, some people are better because they are because of um, the color of their skin or where they came from, it's, they're not. It's just treat everyone equally, treat everyone treat everyone as nice as you can. There's just no reason for any of that stuff. And I'm very happy that everyone within the city is saying, "Hey, don't worry, we're we got your back. Don't let those." To, like a handful of keyboard warriors, you know, make you feel down, especially after the being eliminated from the Stanley Cup playoffs. Yeah, um, it, you know, something that that was kind of a bright spot for me in the coverage of this story, which was just just un, uncalled for in this. Um, what I found at least uplifting was, uh, you know, any of the reports I read or any of the coverage I saw given to, to this specific incident, I never saw once the, a mention of what exactly was said, who said it, 
because quite frankly, I don't care. And we don't need to give those people any more airtime than, you know, what they got on social media. So, um, I, since I, I have not seen any of that, I I'm, I'm thankful because I don't need to read that. And it, it really does not need to be repeated anywhere else. Yes. Same here. I haven't seen anything of that note. I believe how this story broke was his girlfriend or wife mm-hmm. um, actually came out and said this. Um, Ethan Baird himself did not actually say anything about the messages that he was getting, which is unfortunate right. because, you know, those people who do that stuff should face consequences. But luckily, um, they're probably just alternate accounts. And they're almost they're almost certainly banned by now. Oh yeah, from I, I Twitter or so. Instagram or whatever. But yeah. yeah, Lou, you you have any thoughts on this story? I, I think you two have 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 said um, have picked up the main points here. It's just um, I find it a sad. Um, sad fact that this is what we have to live through as as Jacob said you know and it, and it harkens back to the beginning of well sometime last year when Keandre Miller was being introduced by the New York Rangers in a Zoom call and and the the racist um rantings and 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 just uncalled for um uh screed that was hurled his way during that uh, Zoom call was just Un, so violent in its in 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 the um, verbal abuse that he had that this poor kid had to take, and I think it's the same thing with Ethan Bear. It's um, you know neither one of them um, has uh, Keandre Miller has never really talked about it. Uh, he was interviewed in, in the exit interview, this uh, you know the the get out of town interview, and he's what he said was. At the start of next season, he would have something to say. Um, and then uh, Ethan Bear really is not the one who brought it up. It was his girlfriend. Um, but, you know, it also harkens to a story that um, I think is simmering in the NHL right now as well. And that is um, uh, Richard, your, your avalanche are without... Um, 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 Nazim Kadri, yeah, Nazim Kadri for the next uh, six games. He's already served a two, two games of an eight-game suspension for an open ice hit um, uh, in, in in the series against the Blues, and he received an eight-game suspension. And and you know this week uh, the NHL was was talking about its efforts to. Um, you know, address some of the, um, you know, society's racial issues, and, and which I think is a good thing. And Bettman, Gary Bettman, the commissioner, uh, had some great things to say during a, during a presser. But um, when you have someone like Nazim Kadri, who has a history, we all know he has a history of, of, of playing on the edge, um, to be kind about it. Um, and you compare him to someone like uh, Tom Wilson, uh, who plays for the Washington Hockey Club. 
um, who gets a $5,000 fine for what I considered um, uh, an assault um, during a, uh, uh, the last, next to the last game of the regular season with the New York Rangers where uh, Artemi Panarin wound up with a concussion and uh, could not play out the season. He gets a $5,000 fine. Uh, Kadri gets eight games. I, um, I, um, uh, the optics, the optics of that differential are not good. And I think that's what needs, that is part of what we're dealing with. Ethan Bear, uh, Keandre Miller are berated uh, for um, their ethnicity, um, their ancestry, if you will, and and yet, um, and th- and then you step in. Um, Kadri gets eight. Tom Wilson gets a five thousand dollar fine. You know, all he had to do was shake the couch cushions. You know, and that that money was probably dropping out of the cushions. You know, it it didn't hurt him in the least. He was back. Uh, not, not even a game, not even a one-game suspension. So um, these are all, you know, th- these are things that I think the the NHL is going to have have to come to grips with. Um, I think they're trying. I I I I believe that the effort is there. Um, in my experience, and what I do in my day gig. Um, um, tells me that the NHL is, is in fact giving it the old college try, and I'm not being trite when I say it that way. I, I think they're making an effort, but when the optics tell you something different, the NHL has a problem. And that's understandable. Um, yeah. I, I see where you're coming from, especially from the optical standpoint. Um, right. And also the even if you ignore those optics, um, just the uh, utter idea that he is being suspended eight games is very, it's almost unprecedented, uh, especially in the modern um, player safety or department of player safety. Right. Um, uh, Nazem Kadri has been suspended six times right. and fined three times. Um since 2013 and this is only because of the playoffs because this is the third um playoffs in four seasons um i can't remember he he i think he played last playoffs correct yes yes he did yeah Yeah. that was the only playoffs that he played in 2020 where he wasn't suspended for doing something very illegal right Right. And I think I don't I don't agree with this, but I think the logic was he only does he gets really dirty in the playoffs. We have to eliminate him for the playoffs. And I think that's a very silly tactic and route to take. Um, I don't think Kaji was in. I don't know if the intent to do that hit was there. Uh, for that, but obviously it was an ugly hit and it was suspendable. And I'm very surprised they didn't didn't just suspend him for the rest of the uh, series. Yeah. Um, you know, we talked about that in the, in the pre-show, um, Jacob, and, and, you know, as you pointed out, during the regular season, it would have been a 16-game suspension. 
Um, and, and this is where I, I have sp- spent an awful lot of time on this this, this week. And it was a suspendable action. It was a suspendable hit. I mean, I, I, Richard, it's, it's your avalanche. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I don't know, you know, I, I, you know, we need to get your input on this one. But um, it's just there's the, the, the dichotomy in the NHL's, uh, the NHL player safety response to both incidences, incidents is just, Oh, agreed. Yes. Yeah. Richard. Because. Yeah. 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 Um, I mean, w- when I saw that hit, I knew, okay, he, he's getting, he's getting at least three games. He's going to get the, the rest of the series. You know, uh, I thought it was going to go more than four games. So I thought it was going to be at least a three game suspension. Um, but yeah, w- when you compare it to what Tom Wilson did at, you know, one game before the last game of the season. Um, Both those situations put the player on the receiving end in some serious, you know, health risks, you know, for, you know, concussions, broken bones, you know, other major uh, injuries that could happen as a result of that hit or the fight that was started. Um, I, I think, um, at least the Tom Wilson one is, uh, this is, I'm going to try and find the right words to, to put this. Um, I feel like it got more attention, uh, because of the fights that ensued afterwards, because players were heated and because more than, you know, two people were involved in that situation. Um, what he did to Panarin was very serious. And I think he should have at least gotten, you know, obviously more than the $5,000 fine. He should have been suspended for the rest of the season and maybe into the playoffs as well, because that's, you know, that was, that was a serious situation. Um, Kadri's hit was deserving of at least three games. Um, I don't know if he intended to hit him the way he did, but he did intend to hit. And the head was definitely the focal point of contact. So um, you you, got to protect the players. I understand that with the Department of Player Safety. But, you know, what are you thinking when, when you're suspending a player in the playoffs for eight games and a player at the end of the season when it means nothing and he does what he does and you give him a $5,000 fine. I, I, you know, race aside, this is just sending some very mixed messages from the NHL from, you know, what is okay and what is not okay as behavior from your players towards other players. So that's my take. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah, we we need we as an industry, uh, since we are part of hockey, we're hard, we're part of that domain space. Uh, we need to uh, voice this kind of discussion, uh, whether we're taking the lead or just mm-hmm. you know trailing on the on the red lantern is you know it's it doesn't matter. Uh, people need to talk about this stuff. Yeah. And it's worth mentioning, at the end of the day, this is all about player safety. 
the entire yes. point of the, the player um, Department of Player Safety is the whole player safety part. And it does not feel like the NHL cares as much as they should. I think they care the bare minimum. And honestly, I don't know if the player, like, I can't say anything about the players, but because there's just so many of them. But the Department of Player Safety just doesn't protect players, in my eyes. What's this? What's the suspension to Kadri going to tell Kadri? Um, he's, being, that, uh, he's being picked on. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It, it, it's right. not supposed to say anything. Uh, he could have gotten the same message with half the suspension. But what you're telling with Tom Wilson is, if, it, if you're in a scrum, everything's fair game. I remember after the Tom Wilson hit, and after the um, after it came out that there was a $5,000 fine, I saw a video from NHL All-Star uh, MVP John Scott. And it was actually quite interesting. What he said was, this sends the message to me that if I'm a player, if I'm an enforcer, I if if I see a star player in a scrum, they're fair game. And he's right. Jeez. It's terrifying, yeah. but he's right, and it should not be the case. And well, but ja- and, and Jacob, just to you know, because you you're listen, you jumping on on the fact that it's it's not protecting the assets. I've always said the leagues never really protect the assets on the ice. And, and a lot of that is is because uh, there's always somebody younger and cheaper right behind them. Uh, but here's the thing that follows on to that, and it follows with exactly what you just said about uh, the player safety. What happened in the next game, the very next game between the Rangers and the uh, uh, and the Caps? It was it was a line brawl one second into the game. Somebody could have been just, the game, just yeah. It, it, there was just a series of 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 paybacks that entire game because uh, you know we keep talking about Panarin, but Pavel uh, Buchnevich was sucker punched in that one. He was done for this season. Oh, was he? Well, I he didn't was know suck, that. He was sucker nope, punched. He was, was no, he no, was he had, did he come had a, back. He got he cross check in the back of the neck when he was already yeah. down on the ice in a vulnerable position. And that's what led to that entire mess. Right. Um, so you're absolutely right. It, it, this tracks back to the player's safety. And if you're not going to protect your star players, as John Scott said, uh, um, the word you just used, Jacob, was terrifying. And that's exactly the word. I, I could not have picked a better word for that. It's terrifying to think that um, your Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, um, are now fair game? Is is that is that what we're talking about? Um, well, Nathan McKinnon, Miko Rantanen, um, in in Colorado. Well, yeah. I, I would also like to to bring up a point. Is I mean, I know we're focusing on that they went after the star player, but seriously, th- th- this should be looked at if it goes they go after any player because that is Agreed. serious, you know, danger for whoever's on the receiving end of. That sucker punch, that hit, that you know, that fight that's in just in the middle of the scrum. Um, you have to be looking to, to protect all players, not just the star players. Oh, for sure. But if you protect the star players, that sets a precedent because um, if you're an enforcer trying to you know take out take someone out of the game, you're going to go for the star player, not the third line center, right? 
And hmm. it, it also just sets a precedent, right? If you're protecting the star players, you're protecting everyone, unless something happens where there's two, two sides of it. But if you're a star player trying to play hockey and you're getting beat up, essentially, then, well, hmm. what are you doing as a department of player safety, right? Right. Yeah. Well, I I have a feeling that there's going to be a, a some sort of large discussion to be had at the end of the season between you know the players' union, the Department of Player Safety, and the league. Mm-hmm. Um, I, the, I there this cannot continue the way it's going, and I, I'm sure there's going to be some lengthy discussion to be had at the end of the season. And I mean, I I don't know what the what conclusion they'll come to because that's a conversation that hasn't even happened um but i mean this this absolutely does need to be addressed by the league and by the the department of player safety let's let's talk a little um actual playoff here (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) let's talk a little hockey let's do that hockey um Actually, before we, we get to that, this is playoff adjacent and uh, something I think Jacob threw in a little late there. And I just yes, happened I'm so to see sorry. it. Deadlines, man. Deadlines. Um, <laughs> yeah, we, we have we have such hard deadlines for this podcast. Um, the Montreal Canadiens are going to be the first Canadian team to allow fans back in the arena um, th- and this is going to be for the because uh, they're not hosting the uh, the Maple Leafs, are they? So it's t- it is the next game. If they win, uh, the game that has started 15 minutes after recording, um, after our recording session. So if this goes to a game six in Montreal, fans 2,500,000 000 fans. Or twenty five hundred fans will be allowed to attend. <laughs> twenty five hundred thousand. Wow. I mean, that's probably how many is going to show up at this rate. But <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. I mean, um, Jacob, you, you have a better beat on what's going on around that area. Is is that is that an appropriate move by the club? Is that something that, that was responsible or is this something that they're just like, Hey, this is our last ditch effort to try and get fans in for the season. Come on in. Um, it, I don't know what's actually happening in Quebec. Um, I'm assuming that the vaccination rates and the infection rates are fairly under control if they were to allow this, because, um, this was a sweeping move made by the entire, uh, entirety of the Quebec government. So, uh, provincial government. So I assume the numbers and vaccination rates are fine. I think it might be pushing it a tiny bit, but I'm sure it won't be that big of a deal because honestly, it's probably only going to, I don't even think this game's going to happen. Well, yeah, there's that. Um, <laughs> speaking of capacity increases, it just came down to, uh, actually just came down yesterday that Ball Arena that hosts the Colorado Avalanche are now authorized to operate just over 50% capacity. So they're going to allow in 10,500 fans uh, into the games starting Sunday when they take on the winner of the Golden Knights Minnesota series. So um, that, 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 that has been a very interesting series to me. I, 
the way the first two games went, I had no clue this was going to go to a game seven. Lou, you are grinning. I, I take it that you had uh, Minnesota at least making a series out of this. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on the first six games? I Did I not have Minnesota in six? You had Minnesota uh, in six. Yeah. Um, I Listen, Talbot has pitched two shutouts so far. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, he's one of only three goalies, I think, to have now um, uh, recorded shutouts for three different teams in the playoffs, which is kind of cool. Uh, but two this year. Um, these have all been low-scoring affairs. Um, and speaking of a clean hit, uh, last night, uh, uh, that, that uh, uh, Game 6 win, um, uh, Minnesota on... Uh, Oh God! It wasn't March assault, but um, just laid just laid out uh, the Vegas uh, forward coming up center ice. <laughs> just, <laughs> but it was a clean hit, you know. Yeah. N- not much you could do about it. Um, it, it a fight ensued, but um, um, listen, most pundits, I think, as I said, um, had this as uh, going Vegas's way. But that everyone was afraid of uh, Minnesota just playing lights out, and they are. Um, um, you know, they've lost they 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 lost by one shutout uh, mm-hmm. in Game Five. Uh, Mark Andre Fleury pitched the shutout there. It was four uh, nothing, I think, and then uh, last night was three nothing. And they've just been they've gone toe to toe with them uh, Minnesota's had their number all season and so it's not surprising i guess it goes to 7 yeah um going into the playoffs when when it was kind of uncertain if uh if Colorado was going to get the number 1 or number 2 spot in the uh, west division i was i was you know going back and forth I'm like well who should they want to play should they want to play you know a St. Louis team who Okay, by the way, they made the right decision to play St. Louis because I didn't see a sweep coming. <laughs> Somebody did. I didn't. Um, or did they want to play uh, a Minnesota team? And, you know, they were very evenly matched between the two. And I'm like, well, you know, St. Louis seems to be the hot team right now. I think you'd want to try and play Minnesota. You know, it's um, y- you don't know until you play the game, I guess. So, um Good move by the Avs to get the President's Trophy and to uh, sweep the St. Louis Blues. Um, I, you know, as as lopsided as it shows on the scorecard, those were very entertaining games. It, maybe it was because you know that the team I had a you know invested interest in you know did well. Um, but I thought those were very good games, very hard fought games, and you know it just. Sometimes the puck doesn't bounce your way. Sometimes the puck doesn't bounce your way for four games. Um, Ask the Tampa Bay Lightning against uh, Columbus a couple of years ago. Um, yeah, so I, I, I've enjoyed that series. Um, let, let me pose a question, and this is something that Lou posted on Twitter uh, a couple of days ago. What, and I'm going to come to you first, Jacob. What is more surprising, the fact that Nashville is making this a series or that Edmonton was swept. <laughs> Silence. <laughs> I think Edmonton getting sweeps. Okay. Sorry, yeah. I didn't mean to pour salt in the wound that quickly. 
<laughs> just I, yeah, I've been, been, yeah, I did. Just, I, I've been producing salt, and it's been <laughs> seeping into the wound <laughs> for days. So, uh, it okay. Uh, answer me this. I think going into game four, was it Connor McDavid was averaging one shot per period? Mm, no. I think that was Dreisaitl. Was that Dreisaitl? Okay. It, it just it didn't seem like that they were, to me, putting a lot of pressure on, on Hellebuck, and it just... Their, their Actually, top, top scorers seem to be, at least to me, from what I saw, was... Pretty mellow. Okay. I have a lot of <laughs> strong thoughts and opinions. Yeah. Open the floodgates. Uh, Here we go. Of this series. So, Winnipeg played great. That's um, Winnipeg is an experienced playoff team, and it showed. Um, I don't... I generally don't like to blame refereeing. Because, but this is a league-wide issue, and I'll get to, into it later. Uh, but refereeing did play a part uh, in this series. But it didn't seem like Edmonton had anything other than Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl. Um Everyone else just... Everyone else were supporting pieces to those players, which works great. But unfortunately, when those players are just so ruthlessly shut down as Winnipeg did... Because what Winnipeg did, which was really smart, was they sacrificed their first line to be just a complete shutdown line. And it was just in, insanely smart on their end because, well, what's Edmonton going to do? Because, I mean, nobody else is going to score. And nobody else hmm. did score. Because Connor Hellbuck has proven that he is one of the best goaltenders in the league still. And... Unfortunately, Winnipeg just came to play um, in a playoff series, and Edmonton in the first game was a bit caught off guard. Second game, started to get their feet, but it was a close game until it wasn't. Game three, um, that's when... Game three, you had that lead, didn't you? Game three, the the Oilers did the classic um, three goals in three minutes thing that they did in 2017 (laughs) against the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, <laughs> oh, right. So, I, I would like to talk about three players who did well and three players who didn't do well. Three players who did do well: Leon Draisaitl, Connor McDavid, and Mike Smith. Great players. They did great. Uh, they could only do so much. Whatever. Three bad players who did nothing: James Neal, <laughs> Ethan Bear. Oh, I also will, uh, for good players, I'll put Darnell Nurse in there. As, and Ryan Nugent Hopkins. I think Ryan, this, this playoff series showed that Ryan Nugent Hopkins, while a great supportive player, he cannot play that poorly. His shots on net were just straight at the chest of Connor Hellebuck. Um, he had the fourth most shots on the team, and he just did nothing with them at all. Uh, it just he just wasn't dangerous at all, mm. and he didn't do he didn't really provide much of anything um, in that respects. 
Ethan Bear turned over the puck a lot. He just made poor decision-making. His defensive play was pedestrian. And when you're expecting um, as much as you are out of Ethan Bear to be a top-four player for a very long time for this franchise, he just wasn't playing well. And James Neal was... I don't think I saw him once. At all. I forgot that he was with the team. <laughs> I mean, I knew he was with the team, but it's like, right. you know, he, uh, you, his name wasn't called. Yeah, because he he was just, it just didn't feel like he played the game at all. Yeah, I mean, he was brought in as a playoff performer, and he didn't perform. Yeah. So I've got a follow-up question, Richard, before you jump in. Um, um, and, and so, Jacob, um, we've had something akin to this discussion over the last couple of seasons. What is the role and responsibility of, of a player like Connor McDavid or Dreisaitl? Um, are they not – is there not an expectation that they're going to put – Regardless of who the, of who's playing against him or what the what the scheme is, what surprised me? Look, I uh, again, I had the Winnipeg Jets. Um, you and I talked offline, Jacob, and I I never thought it would be a sweep. But um, when is the when is the expectation fulfilled that those two players put the Edmonton Oilers on their backs and carry them over the finish line? They did. They could only do so much. Um, this will be alluded to. I will talk about this a bit more later. But both players played 30 minutes of ice time. The problem is um, they did. They can't fight against the playoff hockey, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Kind of stuff that they had to deal with. Um, and when they're trying to pass it off to people who are just shooting it into the chest of Connor Hallibuck. Um, you know. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, look, I get it. It's just, um, it, it, it's, it's the same thing that I keep, that I've said about Taylor Hall. Um, you know, he's, or Jack Eichel. You know, when are these guys going to take on the mantle of, of the team's go-to player and and just get the job done. Um, I mean, they've gotten the job done almost every other game. And in game three, it's just everyone kind of collapsed collectively in game three. And then by game four, the game, the series was, was over. They stuck in it the best they could. Um, it's not, hmm. I can't in any way, shape or form put this on Connor McDavid or Leon Dreisaitl. Um, they actually I'm not played... looking to. I'm not looking oh, yeah. to. Yeah, it's just... Um, okay, go ahead. It's just it's just a lack of... Everyone was built to support them. Um, they just needed uh, someone that can carry and actually score and pop off when they need to. And unfortunately, players like Josh Archibald... Or not Josh Archibald, uh, Kyler Yamanoto, um, Jesse Pugliarvi, those guys can't do that. They need someone else. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. So I, I, I'm going to poke the bear a little bit here. You had mentioned that Connor McDavid was one of the players who played very well, yet in four games, one goal, three assists, and minus two. To I mean, me, you do that while you're having the LPN like literally grab you from behind everything. This, this is, uh, <laughs> he was the top point getter of the regular season, broke a hundred points um, and gets four points in four games. I mean, that is a point a game. That's, that's good. But for somebody who was just lighting the lamp during the regular season, I, I, I feel like that, what, what, what he posted earlier in the season, he fell short of in the playoffs. Yeah. And I, that's fair. Um, but you also have to respect the skill of the um, Winnipeg Jets in shutting him down because oh, that yeah. was a full-time job. Um, everyone on their team played outstanding um, defensively. And Connor Hellebuck stood on his head some games. Yeah. And the entire game plan from Paul Maurice was get McDavid to the outside and make it so it's a hard shot. Make him have to pass it off to someone else that is not as skilled with a puck and make those guys have to make a play. That was his entire game plan, and it worked very well. Um, like I said, this if Connor McDavid had someone else to pass it to that wasn't Leon Dreisaitl, um, that could actually score and put the puck, you know, in the net, not into Karl Hellebuck's chest. I think this series would have turned out much differently because then you would have had a lot of open ice for those players to make a play, um, which completely is how you beat that um, style of coaching or that game plan rather sort of unfair to ask Jacob to be um, defending uh, Connor McDavid. I, you know, certainly not trying to put you on the spot. No, it's fine. Um, but I'll no, but you're there. What you, you know, you're you're far more intimately aware of of the game um, Edmonton played. But I, 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 I get what you're saying, um, and. I don't know. I, I, I expected more out of Edmonton this year. I really oh, we all did. did. I, 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 I picked Winnipeg just on a hunch uh, because Winnipeg played them well during the regular season. But to be swept and, and, and disappear. And, 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 you know, that's where I go to where, where is the role and responsibility of the superstar? Um, you know, once in a generation superstar. Um, to, in other words, you know, to, to mix the mix sports up, uh, Reggie Jackson. Uh, how many times did Reggie Jackson put the New York Yankees on his back and carry them over the finish line to this to the World Championship, uh, World Series championships? Um, you know, um, that's and, and I realize it's two different sports. But that's what I'm talking about. Willis Reed putting the Knicks on his back, carrying them over the finish line. Um, um, I, to be honest, Jacob, that's what I expect of Connor McDavid. And it, um, 
I and Leon Dreisaitl. Mm-hmm. I, I expected of both of them. Um, and, and you're not here to defend them. It's just um, um, that's my that's my gripe. I think uh, because I'd want to see Connor McDavid in a Stanley Cup final. Oh yes, right? Uh, yes, please. I mean, Can we make that happen next year? Yeah, I mean, this is you know, <laughs> imagine him. And and by the way, uh, granted, it's an age issue too. But I mean, let's let's face it. Um, um, uh, Pittsburgh was eliminated in six games, and Sidney Crosby had a single goal as well in six games. Mm-hmm. Um, 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 I, I, I can't. I don't know that he had six points. He was not scoring at a at a point a game. That that's my thing. I, I, you know, so I guess I'm sort of jealous that or what. I'm disappointed we're not going to see Connor McDavid yet yet again in a Stanley Cup final. Uh, but uh, Lou, I just want to say the one thing that you were wrong about. You say I'm yeah. not here to uh, defend Connor McDavid. Yeah. However, <laughs> I am. Well, but, I, but <laughs> that that but, is of your own will. We are not yes. putting that on you. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, my I, duty. Yeah, no, it's it's because you're there. You know, you're there. Um, 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 and. and to me, it's just a great conversation. Why is it that we still, you know, we still don't have the Edmonton Oilers getting past, getting into a Stanley Cup final? I would love to see this team in, in a final. I, honest to God, um, it just be, it would be great. Oh yeah, yeah. And I can talk about. I can literally fill a full episode of this podcast <laughs> telling you why everything is terrible and where everything keeps going wrong oh listen don't go there because i'm a ranger fan so <laughs> let's save that for the off season shall we all right we got a couple we got a few other uh, series to talk about um we have another one up in the north that we were just talking about uh fan capacity uh leafs and canadians um, I'm going to come to you first, Lou. Uh, the Leafs wrapping it up. Um, I just uh, ducked into the game there for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Montreal's having a, uh, a good time right now. It's they're up uh, two nothing as we record this. But I still think. Um, well, look, I, uh, the Leafs rode the emotion of uh, John Tavares being. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, um, uh, injured in the previous game. Um, I wonder whether that uh, emotion sort of bleeds off a little bit, and this does, in fact, go to uh, a sixth game. Um, you asked? No, my prediction is the Leafs come back. Take uh, game, oh. take it in five. All right, Jacob, Leafs coming back to win this one, or is it going back to Montreal? I, I just saw um, who scored. And Joel Armia is just going to win this game, I guess. So, yeah. It's going to go, I think it will go to game seven, simply because I think the fans will give Montreal that extra little boost. Because I think players like Brendan Gallagher and a lot of these young players like Nick Suzuki, um, Jesper Kokiemi, will feed off of, and Cole Caulfield, will feed off that energy from the fans. Because... Mm-hmm. Those 2,500 fans are going to be the loudest fans, I think, in the league. 
for their number, of course. But I think that right. um, I think this record at seven, but I do see I do see the Leafs taking it in seven. You know, I I think Montreal is going to take it tonight just because they are amped up to take it back to Montreal to have fans in the stadium. Um, but I don't think the what twenty five hundred uh, in the arena in Montreal are, are going to be the boost. I think it ends in game six. Toronto wins it on the road. <clears throat> My prediction. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm, I'm just saying that because I have Toronto, I believe, going to the final four between all the divisions in our Same. playoff bracket. So um, We all do. Yeah. And, and I think I had the Oilers losing in the first round, but not in four games. Ooh, more salt. More salt. All right. Uh, Let's head over uh, to the, uh, what is it, the Central Division. I'm trying to remember what all these divisions are called. Um, we, we just talked, we, we'd mentioned that Nashville's making a series of the Carolina game, even uh, the Carolina-Nashville uh, series, even though uh, Carolina just won their, uh, their last game in OT. Um, Jacob, how do you see this one panning out? Is... Uh, is Carolina in danger, or was that just kind of a minor bump in the road? I've not been watching this series one bit. <laughs> <laughs> but I do want to call out Lou, um, because I, I remember specifically in yes. the last episode that the second line recorded that Lou picked the Nashville. Lou said on the podcast that he thought that Nashville was going to beat Carolina. But yep. in the bracket... Because we have an NHL, we have a we have like a special league in the bracket challenge uh, on the NHL.com site. He picked Carolina. No, then that's not oh, mine. It is. It is yours because no, there's no well, other one. It could be. Okay. I, Unless it was Adam or Lonnie. I, I asked. Um, I asked during the break if it was his, and he said yes. <laughs> because there's only there was one of two that could have been. Okay. I, I have to, I'll go in and, and I'll see what happened to my picks. Because I, I, mean, I, I would have stuck with Nashville. Uh, I was, you know, I wasn't going to do something for the show and then, and then sneak a... Oh, uh, no, I'm not, uh, kid, I'm not kidding in. that. I'm just... No, I know, I know. But it's just, um, I, I still like Nashville. Yeah. They could take this uh, tonight. Just, you just have to win one game and then you win one more game. That's it. Yeah. And, just got to build that Carolina momentum. hasn't. Carolina has not shown me much. So, what's your prediction, uh, Jacob? I'm just going to stick with Carolina, simply based off the regular season numbers. Although I can totally see Nashville coming back into playoff form because I know Nashville's a really good team. Uh, well, I know they have the potential to be a really good team, although they haven't been at some points in the season. Yeah, I think in a. Battle of attrition, I think Carolina wins. Richard? I, I think Carolina's going to wrap it up in their next game. They're moving on. Um, I mean, those two games in Nashville won were a bit of a surprise, but really Nashville hasn't given me really anything to be excited about beyond those two games. The first two games of the series, they looked just dreadful. So um, I think that they're – I don't know if they've built up enough momentum to win the series, but um, I think Carolina just has too much talent to uh, to let this one escape. So I'm calling they're going to win in six. They're definitely winning the series, in my opinion. 
Um, let's look at the other game in the Central. Uh, Tampa Bay uh, over Florida, 4-2. to two. I, I don't know if any of us picked Florida moving on. Um, I, I knew this was going to be a good series. Oh, Lou raises his hand. Um, and, and I'm, I'm sure it's the same on his bracket online. Um, I, I mean, this one to me, I, I thought it had all the makings of a, of a seven-game series, and it was really going to be a flip of a coin. Um, ends in six, a little disappointing because those were two really good teams to watch play each other. It was a disappointing series. Um, the last two games, Spencer Knight started in goal, rookie. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't. Chris Drager was was supposed to be was was rumored to be on the trade trade block um, at the deadline. Sergey Bobrovsky is is shelved, um, and your and Joel Quinville is starting his rookie goaltender who wins his first game. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Peter's out after that. Um, um, when Tampa won, you knew they were going to win. It was no, especially that last game, it was 4 nothing. Vasilevsky mm-hmm. pitches another shutout. You knew that they were going to win that game. It just They just played like that. But I thought the rest of the series was just kind of, it was just a bit of a rope-a-dope. I don't know, coming in just with the regular season, I, I wanted this to be the matchup, you know, the, the championship of the division. I wanted these two teams to play each other. Um, we, we may get another great matchup with Carolina and uh, Tampa because in the regular season, those games were very entertaining as well. So um, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I, I'm disappointed it didn't go seven. I'm excited for the possibility of a Carolina-Tampa series uh jacob what's your your take on the battle of the sunshine state it was a fun series to watch i mean outside of the goaltending controversy i think it was a great series um but yeah i when it comes to tampa bay when they're going to win a game they're going to win the game and Mm -hmm. they just have so much firepower it's insane to me yeah and it's going to be so insane that like I said in the last episode, they have a very awesome off-season investigation for cap circumvention coming their way. <laughs> because there's no way there isn't. No. Um, but overall, I think Tampa Bay, the the, the right team won the series. Um, Spencer Knight, even though he did lose uh, his second game and they were eliminated, while we can all look in awe of Joe... <laughs> John Quentinville, um, with his decision making, putting him in net, he played really well. Yeah, yeah. Against a, one of the scariest offenses in the league, so no matter what, I think it was a good series. It was. Let's take a look at the East. This is the uh, last division we have here. Um, uh, you know, I'm going to gloss over this one real quick just because I know Jacob's going to gripe about it a little bit. The uh, Boston-Washington series, Boston winning four straight, uh, winning in five. Um, thoughts? Uh, I mean, I, I felt like 
Wilson and Marchand kind of uh, were kept in a little bit of check against each other, but um, about as much as you can. Um, Jacob, your thoughts on the series, if, if you watched it at all. I couldn't watch it. Boston one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, fair enough. <laughs> Lou? Uh, listen, I thought that um, Boston uh, was old last season, uh, but they made Washington look old and slow uh, in well, this series. You, you sh- you shed Chara and you shed like, you know, good yeah, uh, three, three years three, off your three average standard age. deviation units. <laughs> yeah. Um, and push him over to Washington. Exactly. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I just thought they made uh, Washington look old and slow. And that's, that's where the, that's how the, the series was decided. They, uh, Washington got that first win. And then Tuka Rask, uh, I thought, uh, just took over. Um, um, and th- th- in the end, it just wasn't a contest. Yeah, Tuka being Tuka. Yeah. Um, I, I was a little disappointed that not every game went to overtime. The first, it was set up, the first three games, OT, OT, double OT. I was like, come on, it has to go five games and... You know, it, there has to be like a triple overtime in there somewhere. Um, I I don't know. Th- this one, I, I didn't get to watch a whole lot of it because it was on networks that I don't get because I don't have cable. And uh, it was a little frustrating not being able to watch a, another one of the teams I like to follow. But um, I, I got some updates from my dad, who is also watching these games. He's a big, uh, he's a Bruins fan as well, being from the Boston area. Um, so that, that was, was fun getting those updates. Um, and, uh, you know, as we are recording live, I'm getting texts from him asking how Canada is handling the, the playoffs. I'll have to get back to him on that. Um, last series we have in the East Division, Pittsburgh and the New York Islanders. Um, th- this one's a little bit of a mixed bag because uh, I have two different brackets going on uh, in that bracket challenge. One is with you guys, and I picked correctly with the uh the islanders uh and another one that i have i'm gonna share this in my parting thought um that i have going on with a family bet um i picked pittsburgh to go as a representative from the east i have lost them Uh, i also lost edmonton who i picked in the north um yeah that one's not going so well uh lou your yeah. impressions on uh, on this series with uh, with Pittsburgh and with New York? Uh, what what did you notice here? I thought the Islanders were adequate, and uh, Pittsburgh played a subpar series. Um, I I I didn't expect. I had them. I picked Pittsburgh in this one, um, and I just thought that the Penguins would have a better series. Uh, coming down the stretch, uh, they played lights out in the East, uh, arguably the the toughest division of the of the lot. Um, uh, and, and the Islanders played adequate. You know, it's what they win two two overtime games. Yeah. Um, you know, once you get to overtime, it's it, as we all know, it's a crapshoot. 
but um, it, I don't see the Islanders getting past Boston. That was going to be my follow-up question as a hot take before I got to Jacob. Jacob, um, before we get to your thoughts, Islanders making it past the second round. Yeah, I mean, I think the Bears team just ended up winning. Pittsburgh really just tried throwing a whole bunch of shots at the net, and it didn't, from what I watched from them, they kind of just didn't achieve much um, with that. And they kind of didn't have any other plan. <laughs> so, yeah, it just, I think uh, the better team won, but is that better team going to be Boston? I don't know. Fair. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah, I, I was actually a little surprised that, uh, you know, the Islanders were able to, to squeak this one out. I thought the whole time that, Pittsburgh's uh, getting past the first round. Um, I didn't think this was going to be an easy, you know, passage by any means, uh, just because, you know, no passage through the uh, playoffs is really that easy. Um, But I didn't think that they were going to give Pittsburgh this much trouble, let alone beat them in the first round. So this one took me a little bit by surprise. Kind of happy to see it because I haven't seen the Islanders go deep in the playoffs in, in a while. So it'll be exciting. It'll be exciting. Um, so that, that wraps up what we have going on in the playoffs in the NHL right now, uh, takes us to our parting thoughts. Start with Jacob. Oh boy. So my parting thoughts going to be a bit long. Sorry. (laughs) So, um, this first round of the playoffs has really shown us, um, how poor the concept the game management refing is. Um, I think Tim Peel hopefully might have inadvertently changed the course of the NHL because a lot of fans now are realizing, hey, um, this isn't actually just playoff hockey. This isn't just gritty for the sake of gritty. This is just illegal. This shouldn't, some of these plays shouldn't happen. And it's punishing the star players. Um, And it's going to hurt the star players too. And all the players by proxy. Um, a lot of the penalties, a lot of the penalties are just not being called. There are cross checks, there are holds, there are interference penalties galore across the entire every series. Um, to put in perspective how um, hilarious this is, um, the Minnesota Wild, Winnipeg Jets, Edmonton Oilers, and Vegas Golden Knights have had less penalty minutes per game than any of than the lowest amount of penalty minutes per game across any team in the regular season. Hmm. Hmm. They would be the they would be behind Buffalo for penalty minutes per game. If that's not wow. telling you something terrifying, I don't know what is. Nothing's being called and it is a problem. Because when things get chippy, things get dangerous, and people start taking more and more penalties. And I can promise you, the Wild Gold Knight series isn't clean. Neither no. is the Jets or the series. However, they are apparently the cleanest um, series to ever play hockey if you use these metrics. 
if you if you um, ask the refs how many penalties they called in that game, um, it's insane to me. Um, it shouldn't happen at all. Yeah. More majors should be called. It doesn't matter if if it changes the game. If a team plays dirty, they should be punished for it. That's it. And we are going to get to the point where there's going to be so many star players getting hurt that the NHL is going to have to step in um, because it doesn't seem like the NHL PA is going to do anything right now. So that's my farting thought. (laughs) Thank you for that uplifting thought. Lou, Mr. Sunshine, bring us back. Boy, uh, Jacob is starting to sound like me. (laughs) I got it from you. Is he your protege? (laughs) So I will take us uh, back up a little bit and say that my parting thought is a shout-out to Team Great Britain, um, who managed a 4-3 win yesterday uh, over Belarus. Um, This is huge for um, uh, Team Great Britain because they are up playing with the big boys uh, this season. Um, uh, they're trying to avoid relegation back down to a lower group, but they're uh, a lower division. But right now they're, they're out of uh, Group A. Um, they've picked up four points so far. Um, playing very well, and Liam Kirk uh, has been a house of fire for them uh, on the offensive side. Uh, goaltending has been just lights out as well, despite losing two games badly uh, to really good teams. <laughs> Russia, for one. It was 7-1, yeah. to one, I think, <laughs> against Russia. Um, but um, uh, shout out to Great Britain. I also I just want to interject. There is no relegation in this year's IIHF tournament. Because there, there isn't? No, because none of the other divisions had tournaments held this year. Oh, that's why. That's why. Right. So they're they're a little bit safe this time around. Yes. Okay. Thank you. All right. Uh, my parting thought, as I had mentioned earlier, um, has to do with a family bet. We call it the Challenge Cup because, oddly enough, the name Stanley Cup had already been taken, so we had to change ours. Um, it is a glass chalice that we found at a... Um, at a thrift store. My wife and I put a bet on this every year for the Stanley cup playoffs. We make our own bracket and the winner of the bracket gets a week, uh, with the cup. They get whatever beverage they would like filled with the cup presented by the loser. And the loser has to wash the cup every time. So the winner does no work and enjoys the cup for a week. Um, Sad to say, this may be the second consecutive season that I lose the Challenge Cup. Um, she, she's just really good at picking the upsets, and I am not. <laughs> so, um, but we'll, we'll see how the rest of the playoffs pan out. Uh, we do have different champions, so uh, uh, knock on wood, the Avs can, uh, can win a Stanley Cup, and maybe the Hurricanes get knocked out early. I can only hope. Um, but that, that is, that is part of our tradition. It's been fun and we can challenge throughout the rest of the year as well, just for, you know, one drink, two drinks, whatever the Stanley cup playoffs, definite set in stone. You get one week with the cup. So that is my parting thought. Thank you very much to our other sponsors of the podcast, LDE Affinity Jewelry and Verbero Hockey. 
check them out over at ProHockeyNews.com. Click the banner ads. Uh, at least with Verbero Hockey, you can save yourself a little bit of money when you order some gear from them. LDE Affinity Jewelry, if you need some jewelry for, you know, a close friend or a significant other or uh, just a family member who happens to like jewelry or, hey, for yourself, check them out as well. They have some pretty cool stuff. For Lou Lafredo and Jacob Doherty, I am Richard Cote, and I will see everybody next week.